All right, welcome back to One True Podcast, talking Baylor and Big 12 college football. Uh, I am Bryce Cherry. Alongside me, as always, is my friend John Werner. He's on my screen there. He might be, <laughs> but Johnny, how you doing? Oh, doing great, Bryce. Good, good. And with us this week, we have uh, two of our friends from our, really, our sister paper. We're all in the same family now. Uh, <laughs> so, Kelly Hines and Garen Emig from the Tulsa World. Uh, guys, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Good to have you. Uh, good to be with you. Yes. <laughs> I've already like had one cat pop up on the screen, so that's just, okay. That's what, how it's gonna go. Yeah, that's how it's gonna go. Uh, work never ends. Uh, so, uh, Garen, you grew up in the Tulsa area, so you're you're kind of a hometown guy, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and went off to Kansas and uh, have been at the World since uh, 2004. Covered OU for a long time. And been a columnist since 2016. And Kelly also, and I see Kelly brought a friend, uh, <laughs> also uh, has been at the world a while, 20, uh, 15 years, correct? <laughs> I love it. I love it. That was George. He's one of my. George, welcome, George. Um, yeah, 15 years, just celebrated 15 years, uh, I think, last week. So uh, time flies. Yeah, and you were on the Tulsa beat, now covering Oklahoma State. So uh, anyway, welcome to y'all. Uh, you know, looking forward to this game on Saturday. So let's get into that. Um, obviously, this uh, upcoming Baylor-Oklahoma State game sets up as a very intriguing one. It's the same two teams that uh, met in last year's uh, Big 12 championship game in Arlington. Baylor won that one on just an epic finish, uh, 21-16. They had a very memorable uh, end-of-the-game stop by a kid named Jaron McVeigh, who was a former walk-on. So here in Waco, guys, that play became known as the McPlay. Uh, which I said McDonald's should like cash in on that, you know, NIL, all that stuff. But uh, I'm sure it means something different in Stillwater. It's probably, you know, (laughs) got a lot more explanation around it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what do y'all think about this game? Um, What are the chances that uh, these same two teams end up back in Jerry World? Garen, let's start with you. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, I'm, I can't wait for the game. I think it, it, it sets up to be the best game of the league to this point. Um, and that's not just because of the fact that these two teams were playing for the Big 12 title a year ago, but they've they've both shown strengths leading up to the matchup in Waco on Saturday. Uh, whether I think they'll return is uh, not to cop out on you, but I, I got no idea about the Big 12 right now. And I know you guys are, I don't know this, I assume you guys are sort of the same way. Mm-hmm. This is a league that is as balanced and unpredictable as, as any I've encountered. As you mentioned, I've been on the, I was on the OUB beginning in 04 with the world. And I, I don't remember a, a, one, a one to 10 situation like this. I mean, there've been years where the top three or four sort of separated themselves but this year, um, the difference between I think even one and ten is is uh, is a sliver. And so, is there an opportunity for both the Cowboys and Bears to play twice this year? 
absolutely. Uh, will that happen? Uh, that's going to be a question worth asking almost daily. And that you could ask that you could ask that, I think, of, of up to six or seven teams in this conference, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Garen. I think um, it's it's uh, it's still so early. Um, and I, I think that probably like the thing that I, I um, that my takeaway with this matchup is is more about like the future of the league. Like these are two programs that I think are are going to be um, near the top. I think we're going to be discussing them like on an annual basis when when um, OU and Texas aren't in the picture anymore. What this conference looks like if it you know is what we think it's going to be and and things don't change more than what they already are changing to. Um, I think that there's an opportunity for these two programs to um, you know stay near the top and. Um, I think that's what intrigues me about this. Um, this game is, you know, this, these are two programs that are in a really good spot right now um, and trending still, you know, in, in a good direction. Yeah, no doubt. Johnny. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for this game. I, <laughs> I think it's going to be, <laughs> I think it's going to be down to the wire like last year, maybe not quite that down to the wire, but I think it's going to be tight. And uh, you know, to me, it looks like kind of a contrast in styles a bit. Uh, Baylor likes to, uh, they like ball control. They like to run mostly, you know, set up the pass. Uh, looks like Oklahoma state likes to sling it around a little more than Baylor. As far as I'm getting back, uh, yeah, like Garen said, the, the league is so good from top to bottom. You know, Kansas is no longer a doormat, it looks like. Um, they're almost at the top 25. Uh, so uh, as far as Baylor's chances, their road schedule is so tough that, you know, I, I think it's probably a long shot that, that they get back because they still have to go to Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia. So that's that's a pretty brutal schedule, and uh, but we'll see. I mean, I think the uh, the top two teams are going to have you know some losses, so uh, it's going to be really an interesting fall. Certainly, Baylor uh, put itself on the map a little bit in terms of uh, a big road win last week over Iowa State, uh, so that that helps their chances. But you're right, John; they do have some uh, some more road tests forthcoming for sure. Uh, great points. I'm not sure I can elaborate on any of those because uh, I, I I agree with you guys. I agree with the parody in the league. And then, as Kelly said, I do think that there's a chance for these teams as OU and Texas transition out to kind of become, you know, the power broker, so to speak, of the Big 12. We'll see. They don't have as much money. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's just put it out there. Texas has more money than God, but uh, – <laughs> But, you know, they certainly um, they've been better than these two teams have been better than Texas, honestly, in recent years in, in on field production. So uh, we'll see. It should be fun. John mentioned Oklahoma State slinging it around a little bit. The guy that likes to do that is one Spencer Sanders. Um, it's kind of almost inexplicable at this point, but uh, Baylor has had the number of uh, Spencer Sanders for sure. Uh, Garen, I think you may have wrote about this a little bit. I'm writing about it for tomorrow. Um, so in four career meetings with Baylor, Spencer Sanders has thrown 10 interceptions. He's got at least one every time. Uh, Baylor picked him off seven times last year. So what do y'all think on this one? Uh 
Is this a fluke? Because he generally is looked at as a pretty good quarterback. Um, and do you guys expect Sanders to avoid a turnover this time? Whoever wants to chime in. Go ahead, Kelly. You take this. Also first. Um, I, I think somewhat a fluke and some somewhat, you know, that's that was Baylor's defense being really good and in OSU's protection, you know, not being great. I think that was um probably the biggest difference um last year. And you know, Mike Gundy said, you know, like four of those, you know, I think three or four he was getting hit while throwing. That's usually not gonna end well. So I think um there's a lot of that, and I think um, you know, that, um, that game in December, I think, um, was very difficult, obviously for Spencer. And, and, um, he talked, he's talked a lot about how he had to rely on his teammates to, to get through that. Like, you know, the days after it was, I think that could have, could, that could be a really defining moment in his whole journey. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes for him, um, this time around, because, that's something that was really, that's difficult, you know, to, mm. to go out there and then have that happen to you. Um, but I think he's learned a lot from that and he's a really good quarterback who doesn't typically make many mistakes. So um, I think the version of him that we're seeing now um, is um, he's very comfortable, um, very confident. And, you know, when you have the the talent to back that up, I, I think that that's a really great situation for your starting quarterback. So I think the protection is better. I think his receivers are more experienced. Um, and all of those things you have to think would would add up to a pretty good equation. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll follow that by saying, use the word fluke. I think anytime a guy throws seven in against the same team in, in one year, that, that seems like a fluky number, right? Especially a quarterback of Sanders caliber. But there's two things, there are two things at work, and, and they make it sort of a dangerous situation anytime Sanders plays against the, the Bears. Number one is Dave Aranda, all right? I mean, you, you, you're playing with fire if you're not at, at your peak level against Aranda's defense, if you're a quarterback. I, uh, I, it was astounding to see how when Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, he had quarterbacks that, that you know, threw Big 12 defenses silly more often than not. And yet it was it was a wall often when, when it was Oklahoma versus Baylor the last two years with with uh, Williams and, and Rattler. And that, I think, is sort of uh, encapsulates how difficult it can be for a QB against an Aranda defense. So there, there's that. The other thing is. And Gundy, Mike Gundy said this himself in his press conference on Monday for, for as comfortable and as confident as, as Sanders looks and has looked so far this season, he still takes, take risks. He still does that. And uh, there's nothing wrong with playing with a little bravado of that position. And if you're playing as well as Sanders has to this point, and you think you can fit throws that other quarterbacks would be foolish to even attempt, nothing wrong with that. But the 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 edge of the sword is uh, to do it against Baylor and to do it against Dave Aranda. And so, I, if I'm Sanders, and I've got even a sliver of doubt as to whether I can fit that ball into that space in Waco on Saturday, I'm I'm throwing it into the stands, I, or or I'm I'm you know taking you know taking a knee and dropping two yards and playing on to the next down, not turning it over to, to Baylor. So, as well as Sa- Sanders has played, he he's got to be more careful. There's just no way, there's just no way around that. Yeah, there are risks and then there are unnecessary risks. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's a great point. Johnny, they, Baylor got two picks <laughs> in the second half last week against Iowa State. Did they get any on Saturday against Spencer? Oh, I wouldn't be too surprised if they did. Uh, you know, Coach Aranda uh, in his Monday press conference, he 
he kind of gave the credit to some of the guys who aren't here anymore. Correct. And, yeah, I think uh, he did. And uh, TJ Franklin yesterday when we were interviewing on Baylor's defensive end kind of said the same thing. And, you know, he said, well, those guys are basically film nerds. But I think they still got a bunch of film nerds. I know Dylan Doyle's a film nerd. So, uh, <clears throat> so uh, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to get that many interceptions again. I mean, that's – that's just kind of bizarre that those numbers from the past. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised that they maybe got one or two. Yeah. Uh, again, great points. Um, I will say for John and I, we probably have a little bit of a skewed view of Spencer Sanders just because he has been not great against uh, against Baylor and that's when we've seen him I we know he's better uh, a better quarterback than that but um guarantee your point about you know sometimes you know you you can take risks and try to fit those passes in there to those tight windows um you, you, the thing about that is you just have to make that play you have to make that connection uh I was covering <clears throat> first day of women's basketball practice uh what Monday and um, Nikki Collin, Baylor's coach, uh, was talking about plays and the players learning the plays. And and she said, if <clears throat> if you're going to go essentially go freestyle off this play that I called, uh, A, it better be for a layup. And B, you better make that layup because I called that play for a reason. And so, yeah, I think – the OSU coaches, Mike Gundy, are probably okay with Spencer Sanders taking some risks, but just make the play, you know? So yeah. we'll see yeah. how that goes on Saturday. Should be a fun one for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about just the Big 12. So uh, Kansas State moved into the top 25 this week, <laughs> courtesy of a really big win over Oklahoma. Um, so I did not see that outcome coming at all i don't know how y'all picked it but uh you, you know you guys are up there in sooner country um what are the oklahoma fans saying about this one and is the shine already off brent venables i mean <laughs> we know how ou fans are yeah yeah it's always a always a patient bunch you know, <laughs> and, and totally and totally rational <laughs> um I know, that, I know that i know that only too well um, here's, here's what I'll say about, about this feels a little different. I, I'll say this. Number one, if you, if you don't think Kansas state's going to play OU's tails off by now, you're not, you're, you're ignoring history. I mean, that's just what Kansas state does every time they come up against the Sooners, whether it's a Chris Kleiman or, or Bill Snyder, or even dating back to Ron Prince. Remember him in the early two thousands, even for as much trouble as he had, uh, replacing Snyder in general, he, they had some knockdown drag outs with Oklahoma. So you uh, you get what you get when when you're the Sooners and you play K State. Um, having said that, yeah, it was unexpected, a little bit stunning in the fact that they gave up 41 points and, and made Adrian Martinez, uh, you know, look like Michael Vick. <laughs> um, but here's what I'll say: I, if if you are among the more rational Oklahoma fans, you realize that this is this is not going to happen at the snap of a finger. Lincoln Riley left some collateral damage when he when he took the USC job. Um, and we're not just talking about Caleb Williams and, and Mario Williams, the receiver that he took out there. There there was there was real fallout from that in terms of uh, some upheaval in terms of the roster, uh, with 40% of the, of the of the roster turning over from a year ago, with uh, Brent Renables having to make changes to the coaching staff with just sort of new attitudes and new ideas and a new way of looking at things. 
And so um, I think there was maybe a little bit of false hope given how well they handled Nebraska the week before, but that seems as much a commentary on how low Nebraska is as to how well Oklahoma played in Lincoln. Um, this, this doesn't, I, I didn't think this had the look of a playoff team out of it to, to begin with. And all Saturday night did was sort of emphasize that if, if you're the Sooners and your Venables and your first year as a head coach, you take maybe a 10 and two season, sugar bowl, cotton bowl berth and be happy with that. Maybe build toward bigger things, build toward getting back into the playoff. And I think, I think the, there are more OU fans who come away thinking that than then we got to get rid of the guy. He's a bum. He has no business being the head coach at OU. Kelly? Yeah, I think maybe just a, a dose of reality for, for those fans who thought that it was going to be, um, you know, just a championship type season. I mean, it still could be that way, but it's not going to be easy. And I think for the, the teams that are staying in the Big 12, I think there's, you know, it's maybe not something they talk about or really like think that much about um, like, I think it's just a, a motivation when when programs are on their way out and and you have limited opportunities maybe against them. And I think that uh, for Kansas State, Kansas State, there's just another cap. <laughs> um, I think for Kansas State, especially that's 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 been a really favorable matchup in recent years. So I, I think in some ways it was super surprising, but then in other ways you're like, well, it's a it's a first year head coach and and. First, you know, all of the turnover with the, the personnel and the, the coaching staff and all of that. So really, it shouldn't be that surprising. I, I just I think most of the OU fans I know were, were most disappointed with the penalties and the things that you think are maybe within your control. Um, so from from that perspective, um, you know, I think it was just like, OK, this is not just going to be, um, you know, a, a super um, simple transition. It's it's college football is hard. So um, I think. Um, I'm super interested to see how the rest of the season goes, because I think that could be a real turning point or maybe it's just a sign that, you know, it's, it's still a work in progress. Yeah. John, what do you think? Well, I know I was <coughs> warned by our editor, Steve Boggs, who's from Oklahoma. Don't go so quickly with Oklahoma against K-State. <laughs> so he made I that pick, huh? I, I did not heed his advice and I, and I missed that one. <laughs> But uh, always listen to the boss. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it just kind of goes with the Big 12 this year. I, I think there's going to be a lot of upsets and maybe some that look like upsets that, that really aren't because I think the team, there's a lot of parity, too. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And even in OU's best years where they were making the CFP and stuff, they'd always have at least one slip up in big 12 play. I mean, they very rarely made it through unscathed. Uh, I just, I, I think, you know, to y'all's point, <clears throat> there's just a lot of parody in this league this year. I mean, and um, is anybody going to separate themselves as the team? I don't know. We'll see. It could be Mike Gundy's team. I mean, but you know, there's some, there's some tough games out there for the Cowboys too. So um so, uh, you know, like I mentioned, K-State, courtesy of that win, did jump into the top 25. And um, that is one spot ahead of Kansas, which is just, we've talked about it on our podcast here the last several weeks. It's a little mind-blowing. Uh, <laughs> the Jayhawks off to a 4-0 start. I'm sure it is for the KU alum here. Um, so guys, what in the world is going on in the sunflower state and, uh, can these teams 
keep it going this week? Um, to, to, <laughs> what's go, to, to what's going on at KU, they, they got the right head coach finally, it looks like, right? Yeah, yeah. Lance Leipold knows what he's doing pretty clearly. And whoever's coaching Jalen Daniels knows what he's doing. I know Leipold <laughs> has a has a hand in that, but my goodness, that guy. Um, I mean, we I went into the year thinking that Sanders would repeat as all Big 12 quarterback with consideration for players like uh, Dylan Gray, Gabriel at Oklahoma, uh, Shape and Blake Shapen, who of course we're going to see against Sanders for the, for the Bears this weekend, maybe Chandler Morris or Max Duggan at, at, at TCU. I did not consider Jalen Daniels to be a guy that we'd be talking about uh, with regard to uh, to Big 12 honors. And, and here here we're getting the guys on the Duke uh, telecast Saturday during the KU Duke game saying that if you're not even considering Daniels for a Heisman watch, forget all Big 12. So, yeah, it's we're, we're it's a cool story. It's a, it's a cool story for me, uh, giving away the fact that I was a, a KU uh, alum or M and and and, uh, and a student up there once upon a time. But I also I also wonder still about staying power because how tough this league is week to week. I don't think Kansas has won its last game. They might beat Iowa State Saturday. I but but to, but to think that I, they're going to challenge for a spot at Jerry World um, is I think taking the fairy tale just a, a step too far. It's it's a cool thing what what they're doing. They'll be lucky to hang on to Leipold, right? Especially if Nebraska becomes seriously interested in him toward the end of the season. Uh, and there's, there's, you, you, you used the word fluke a little earlier, Bryce. There's nothing fluky about the way Kansas is winning. They're playing really well mm-hmm. and they're not being gifted these games. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to, if it's going to move through the, uh, the rest of the season. Yeah. Fair point. Kelly. I just love that, that, that it's, you know, gotten to the point that it is, and it is a, a storyline. It is something that, you know, we're discussing and it's another program in the big 12 that is headed in the right direction. I think that just strengthens the league when you don't have a, a, a doormat team. Um, you don't have those teams near the bottom and it makes it just so much more unpredictable week to week. And especially, um, you know, when there's already so much parity in the league and you know those upsets can happen. But when Kansas is a team that's capable of doing that, I just I I like it just for big picture reasons. I think it's it's just a really good thing for the Big 12 when when Kansas is able to, you know, have have, um, you know, sell out crowds and, and you know, have games that matter and, and all of those things. So um, I'm just enjoying it for however long that lasts. Yeah. John, we've talked a little bit about the Jayhawks. What uh, what do you say? And yeah. K-State, too. I mean. Well, I thought it was really impressive. They, they had a sellout. And uh, <laughs> I remember going up there once when they played Baylor. And uh, Midnight Madness for basketball was the night before. And, of course, uh, 16,300 fans at Allen Fieldhouse. I don't think any of them showed up for the football game. <laughs> uh, it was not nearly that much. But yeah, it's a great story, uh, and uh, I agree with Aaron. I mean, uh, Daniels looks like the best quarterback in the league so far. I mean, we'll see, but maybe not. But uh, yeah, I think it's a great story. Yeah, uh, I think that Texas probably left the Big Twelve because of Kansas. I mean, let's put it out. Longhorns are shaking in their cleats down there in Austin. And they're like, oh, my gosh, now they're good, too? <laughs> we have to play these guys? 
That's a story to be uncovered is, yeah, if, if, if KU beating Texas and Austin last year was the first step toward the Longhorn saying, heck with this, I'd rather play Alabama and Georgia. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, so, Kelly, I've noticed this on your Twitter feed before, but uh, you are a fan of Bucky's, correct? I am. Yeah, that's good. That's a that's a good Texas staple. Um, so I want we we always kind of finish here with something I call culinary corner because we are <laughs> sports writers. We like to talk food. <laughs> this is what we plan out when John and I go on a road trip. We like go okay, where are we eating? And we usually know where we're eating. But oh yeah. Uh, so Garrett, I wanted to ask you: Are you also a fan of the Beaver uh, Buckies? <laughs> well, that's a relative question because I'm on with Kelly and Kelly. <laughs> has stock in the company. Oh. Uh, she, she takes it to an entirely different level than, than anyone else on our staff. Here's what I would say. Bucky's is a great, it's like an oasis, especially if you need a quick stop and a quick bite when you're, cause you're on the 11th hour of a, of a 12 hour day. Right. And you're right. trying to get home and you're just saying, can I, can I, can I get sleep in my own bed tonight? How can I find something that, uh, I don't want to say nutritious. I'm not sure we're going to go that far. How can I, <laughs> right. how can I find something that's going to get me the last uh, 150 miles so that I can get home and, and, uh, and gear up for next week of work. Right. That it, when you, when you're grinding through a big 12 football season as a, as a sports writer. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, hey, Garen, I, I think I did see a banana there once. <laughs> <laughs> they, was it, was it, was it, was it are you sure it was real? No, I'm not. That wasn't okay. plastic. They probably, plastic. Johnny. They probably deep fried it up after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which brings me to my last little question. So then, uh, when you guys are stopping, and you know, you do have that 150 more miles to go. Uh, you know, what's the go-to snack? What are you grabbing? And and as Garen said, it doesn't necessarily have to be nutritious. It probably won't be nutritious. I usually get like um, one of the barbecue sandwiches. That's usually my go-to. But like Garen said, you know, like I think the reason I like Bucky so much is they're very strategically placed. Like they're where you need them to be when you're <laughs> you're you're driving through and you you're just trying to get to your destination, whether that's home or, or you know wherever you're going in Texas. And it just gives you like maybe a little bit of like light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. It just like breaks up the trips and it, it, I need sometimes things to look forward to on those drives um, because there, there are some long drives in, in the big 12. And that's one of the things that I've uh, now remember about yeah. um, now that I'm back on the, the OSU beat after a long time away, it's uh, you forget all of the drives. Um, so this is our first trip uh, this, this week. So um Definitely hoping we can hit up one of those Bucky's and I will get an obscene amount of food. <laughs> Garrett, what are you grabbing? Well, it's all about strategy. The, the key is knowing what you want before you go in, because mm. if you, I, I'm like Kelly. I make a beeline to the sandwich pit. But if, if you let your mind wander, eyes wander, and you'll see about 35 to 40 different options yeah. that turn what should be a five minute pit stop on the road home, which is the important thing that becomes like an hour slog if you're not careful. Yeah, so it, yeah. to me, it's not so much what, what you're after. It's, it's deciding before you walk through the door, what your strategy is going to be. 
you just you just essentially you got to you got to get out and 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 have won the 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 stop. You the pit stop needs to be won, and the only way to win it is to not be sidetracked, which Bucky's can do famously. Yeah, I agree with that. That's yeah, that's going to be our game plan for for this weekend. Yeah, no doubt because you can easily go in there and first of all come out you know seventy five hundred dollars lighter if you're not careful. <laughs> Uh, like you said, Garrett, if you don't have a game plan. So that's, that is a key. Um, we have one that's just down uh, south of us in Temple, which, so it's like 30 miles away and it's really not far enough. You know, I mean, you haven't driven that far and yet we'll still stop there because it's Bucky's. And, um, and as y'all said, the barbecue sandwiches, you can legit get dinner at Bucky's. I was, I also like, uh, which we should be charging them for this commercial, incidentally. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure I'll hear about that later. But the, the homemade uh, potato chips, the homemade oh, those are really good. Are really good. Those are those are good. Uh, so y'all have been to Waco before, but uh, John, give them a couple of spots that they should hit here. Well, guest barbecues, yes. outstanding. Guest is um, awesome. It's great. And then there's a, uh, if you want a hamburger, it's double R, uh, kind of a dive, but uh, man, fantastic. Uh, But yeah, those would probably be my top two. Yeah, those are great choices. Everybody who comes from out of town seems to want to go to George's and I have nothing against George's, but uh, George's is like, okay. I mean, you know, it's fine. Uh, I'm not sure Wacoans have as much just craze over George's as, as, out of towners but uh besides those two that john mentioned i will also say if you like just like a good sandwich uh there's a place called schmaltz's that is uh really good it's got a downtown location and uh another location but uh really really good it's it's my wife always says this and i disagree with her but i guess it's true it's kind of like a schlotzky's but a lot better you know Uh, (laughs) and that's nothing against schlotzky's but their bread, their bread is just really good. And so uh, there's a couple recommendations for y'all. And uh, so are both y'all coming on Saturday? Yeah. Good deal. We'll good deal. So we'll, we'll see you down here. Uh, the press box food is fine, too. So, you know, we got hey, to. Do they still have what's the place that serves like the, it's called a gut punch or something? Gut pack. Gut pack. So that's, oh, that's good. Yeah. That's, what's what's that called again? Vtex. Okay, yeah, I did that a few years ago just because I'd, I'd heard about it. And never, never. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a go-to. I love Vtex, the Gut Pack, uh, and you can also. Uh, so the Gut Pack is kind of like a Frito pie on steroids. You know, they have uh, yeah. Fritos with all the barbecue and everything else on it, but you can also get uh, a Spud Pack, which is a that's a pro <laughs> move. There, it's a potato with the same kind of thing. So. If you if you're looking for like all those extra calories, <laughs> so, <laughs> Frito pie is not enough, and you need another right another layer. Okay. If you're looking for your calendar calories oh. in two days, <laughs> get the spud back. Anyway, uh, yeah, always good to talk a little food. Uh, Kelly, Garen, man, thanks for joining us, and look forward to seeing y'all on Saturday. Right, Should be we'll a great game. Yeah, awesome, cool. Well, we'll see y'all. Thanks, y'all.